0: If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to turn to Colossians and we'll be looking at chapter three and looking through at verses 12 through 17. And I won't be long, it's a homily, so we'll try to keep it short and honor our time together tonight. And uh, there'll be a sweet time for you later on to uh, declare God's praises publicly in the presence of God's people. And so you will have the invitation to come up and to share ways in which God has worked and you're thankful. We'll also have a season of prayer where we actually spend time praising the Lord for his goodness. And so just want to be mindful of that. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 through 17. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness and humility, meekness and patience, Bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against one another forgiving one another even as the Lord has forgiven you So you also must forgive Above all these put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts To which indeed you were called in one body And be thankful that the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and singing psalms, and hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father, through him, amen. What I wanna do for tonight is to focus in on those several verses where Paul actually commands thankfulness And I want us to look at the commandment to be thankful. I want us to look at the challenge of thankfulness and then the key the key to, I think living a life of gratitude. The first thing you see in this text is that it's actually commanded three times. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed were called in one body and be thankful. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly singing songs, with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And he says, whatever you do in the name of the Lord Jesus in word or deed, giving thanks. And so you see it over and over and over again in this section, but this is a microcosm of the entire Bible. A lot of the Old Testament, God's people are commanded to be thankful. These are imperatives, they're not suggestions, which would mean that this is a lifestyle and not a season. This is not sort of a momentary time to be thankful before we say our grace when we receive our food. The number of times these commandments come over, there's a case that's being made that this is the posture of a follower of Christ, that we're people known for grace, but we're also a people known for gratitude. You see, it even when the Lord Jesus was here on the earth the in, in Luke chapter 17, where he heals 10 lepers. And out of the 10, there was one who returned. And listen to what Jesus says when the one came back. This is Jesus. Were not 10 cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God Except this foreigner. So Jesus Christ, when He was here and performed that miracle to ten lepers, He expected that His sovereign work merited the the lepers returning back to Him to give praise to the Father. There's a commandment to be thankful, but there's also challenges to our gratitude. Some of that can be just those seasons in life where the goodness of God is veiled. It can be miscarriage. It can be when you don't get that promotion. It can be when your bodies are aching because we live in a broken world. It can be when you look at our city or you look at our country and you see the calamities of living in a fallen world. It can be when money is tight and there's more debt than income. That all of these things can make us an ungrateful people. You can see when your health fades away and you've been diagnosed with cancer, right? That in that moment, it's hard to see the, the goodness of God is veiled in that moment and it makes it hard to give honor and praise to the Lord. You can see it when our children aren't behaving in a, in a manner that is befitting of the gospel and you wonder, what did I do wrong? Where is God right now? That the Bible is aware that these things can challenge our posture of gratitude. I think you also see it in the, the, not just the low points in life, but when things are going really, really good, when things are really, really good, that's a dangerous place, right? That's why the Proverbs, the author of Proverbs in verse chapter 30, he says, give me neither poverty nor give me riches. Feed me with food that is needful for me in the moment. Lest I be full and deny you, and I say, who is the Lord? Lest I be poor and profane the name of the Lord. And so what he's getting at is that, that those are two equally dangerous places to be. Extreme blessing, and extreme where everything is just humming along and everything is fine. He says, man, that is dangerous. That is just as dangerous as the other extreme where everything is not fine that those two extremes, they can make it hard to be thankful. On the one hand, it's hard to be thankful because everything is right. And it's, you're you're tempted in that moment to trust in my goodness. You're tempted in that moment to trust in my accomplishments. You're tempted in that moment to trust in your own wisdom. And that's why he says, Lord, give me neither. I think it can, our humanistic way of thinking or we just exalt ourselves. We think too much of ourselves. It can be hard to be thankful because thankfulness flows out of a place of humility. All of these things can make a heart of gratitude difficult. And so the third thing we have to think through is what's the key to a life of gratitude? It's seeing some things with faith. And here's what you'll learn over and over in the scriptures that when God makes commandments, because he is commanding gratitude, he is commanding thanksgiving, that they flow from something about him. Every commandment, there's one side of it, side A, how we receive it, but there's always another side to it, side B, because it's showcasing something about who God is. And you see it in our text, right? You see it in verse 13, As a sample, right, he says, bear with one another. And if one another has a complaint against one another, forgive one another. So that's a commandment, right? That's a commandment to endure with one another, to be patient with one another. To forgive one another, right? That's the commandment. But notice the other side of the commandment. Why? Because the other person needs it? Because it's the right thing to do? Notice what Paul says, the other side of that commandment. To be forgiven and to bear with one another. Notice what he says. The other side is as the Lord has forgiven you. You see how that works. The commandment to treat others this way is not just God saying, hey, I'm God and I command you to do this. He could do that. But there's another side to it. I'm commanding this because I'm this way with you. And so there's a correlation that we have to start making in the scripture. When we come to these commandments, we have to not just say, "Okay, Lord, what are you asking or commanding me to do? But what is it about your character that compels me to do this thing? And so we can say that when God says be thankful, well, what's the B side of be thankful? The B side of that is God has done some things for you that is worthy of praise. If you if you don't see the other side of it, then we will not live lives of gratitude. But if you can see this commandment with the eyes of faith, be thankful because I have done things that are praiseworthy. Now you have thankfulness that is it's whelming up and it hinges off of the character of God and not just you conjuring up this feeling. And so. If he can say, be thankful sing and pray and greet one another with thankfulness in your hearts to God that whatever you do in word or deed, give thanks to the Father through him. Well, this begs the question, well, God, what have you done for me lately? And that sounds trite, but it sounds almost, are you, can you should you say that? And Paul says, yes. What has God done for you lately? And you look at if it, Colossians and you see it, you see in chapter one, verse six, It says you can turn over if you have your Bibles, but notice when Paul is praying, he says uh, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven of this, you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you. Now, now notice right there. Right. Paul did not say you went and found the gospel. He says the gospel came and found you." You, you. You see it. Right. Notice what he says, which you heard, which is bearing fruit, but you heard it and you understood the grace of truth just as you learned it from Epaphras. Right. And then he is a fellow minister of Christ on your behalf. And so trace the train, trace the train of thought. The gospel came to you. You were not seeking God and it came to you and you learned it because Epaphras taught it. And who was Epaphras? A faithful servant of Jesus. And so who is ultimately responsible for you hearing the word of truth? It is not Epaphras and it is not you. It is Jesus who discharged him to send the gospel to you. So if if Paul were to say, what has God done for you lately? First thing is he sent the gospel to you. Look at chapter two, verse 13. And you were dead in your trespasses. And it was God who made you alive together with Christ, having forgiven all of our trespasses, all of them by canceling the record of the debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He nailed it to the cross. The soldiers were not the only ones driving nails in the hand of Jesus. Paul says with the eyes of faith. The father was driving the nails of the record that stood against you through the work of those men to the cross of Christ. All of your trespasses, all of them. He was putting them upon his son on the cross. And you were dead and he made you alive. Chapter three, verse three, and you have died with Christ and your life is hidden with Christ and you have been raised. There was someone else who died on the cross of Christ or at the cross of Christ and it was you and it was the old man. God put that person to death and he has raised you in power. That's what he's done, past tense. What is he doing right now, right? Paul says in Colossians chapter 117, He is before all things and in him all things hold together, which means right now, Jesus Christ is holding it all together. That the reason we are here right now, we're we're breathing breath that he gives. He right now is sustaining our lungs and our lives. He right now is keeping us in our right minds. He right now is holding it all together in verse Eighteen of chapter one. And he is the head, not was the head, not will be the head, but present tense. He is right now the head of the church. And so holding all things together, that's a that's a common grace that unbelievers are benefiting from the goodness of God right now. But when he says he is the head of the body right now, he also has special affection towards the church right here, right now. And he will always do things worthy of praise. Look at verse four of chapter three. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. So notice what Paul has just done. He's taking you past tense. This is what happened past tense. He takes us to right now, the very sovereign creator of the world right now is at work for you. And he takes us to the future that this Jesus who died on the cross for you, he did, He is not forgetting about you. He will one day in the future come back for you and bring you and I that we might be with him forever. And so when Paul says, what has God done for you lately? He says, go back. Look right now. Look in the future. And so the commandment to be thankful, to sing hymns, it hinges off of this. He has, is, and will always do good by his people. Always. Because your sins have been paid for, practice gratitude. Because you have died and you are now alive by the spirit, you can actually put on as God's chosen ones, Compassion and meekness and kindness and gratitude because Jesus will return and rescue you from whatever things are tormenting your life and souls right now. He says, be thankful. And so the fight for gratitude is not a fight to say thank you, but it's a fight of faith to see and experience all that God has, is, and will do. And this blesses our savior. This is the key to a life of gratitude. Seeing and savoring by faith. The manifold works of God towards us in Christ. That commandment to be thankful. The other side of that are the things that Christ has done that are worthy of gratitude. Amen. Let me pray for us. Our Father, we love you, and uh, we do thank you for not just the commandment to be thankful, but for the one who was thankful. That before Jesus did numerous miracles, he would often stop and give thanks. That he was truly the thankful one. He was truly the one who could see life as we should see. And he was the one who died for People like us who forget and sin, we love you and we thank you for your goodness to us in Christ. And we do pray now that as we respond, not by compulsion, but as we respond to your generosity with our generosity, that you would bless it, that others would come to know and worship our risen King. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.